Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio. I'm Kate Woda, producer of the show. Pharma Talk Radio is a nonprofit program to disseminate helpful information to those in life sciences, and in particular drug development. And this, of course, always includes patient advocacy communities. When I am not working with Pharma Talk Radio, I head up content and direction for Immuno Oncology 360 and Rational Combinations 360 at the Conference Forum. For more information on these events, please visit www.theconferenceforum.org. Today's show features a talk previously delivered at the 5th Annual IO360 2018 program by Dr. Corey Langer, Director of Thoracic Oncology and Professor of Medicine for the Perelman Center for Advanced Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Langer presented data on Keytruda in combination with chemotherapy in non-small cell lung cancer. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be here to talk to uh, this August crowd. Um, I'm actually going to drill down into a very specific study, but I think it's an important template for what we're doing in general, not just in lung cancer, but in other solid tumors, particularly as we start combining checkpoint inhibitors with more conventional uh, platform regimens. So I think most of you are familiar with the, at least the original data. Um, this is an uh, update that I had the privilege of presenting at uh, World Lung in uh, Japan just uh, three months ago, and uh, I'll talk a little bit uh, more about the implications of this study beyond what I uh, presented uh, then and happily answer any questions regarding lung cancer, which is my area of expertise. Do not ask me anything about melanoma or colorectal cancer, any, any uh, organ system that begins below the diaphragm. Um, so uh, Keynote 021G uh, looked uh, specifically at PEM Carbo, one of our platform regimens in non-squamous, non-small cell with or without uh, pembrolizumab. Again, our disclosures as an academic, I have to do this. And as you can see, um, I'm guilty of pharmaceutical promiscuity. I play absolutely no favorites. Um, rationale, um, platinum-based doublets, of course, have been the standard of care. Uh, for first-line treatment advanced non-small cell uh, in those without genetic uh, targetable aberrations. So that's roughly about 70 to 80 percent of all our advanced uh, non-small cell patients. Monotherapy, of course, with uh, anti-PD-1, specifically with pembrolizumab, uh, has demonstrated survival benefit compared to standard uh, chemotherapy frontline uh, in those with PDL one expression, 50% or higher. So if you look at that uh, overall population, that's roughly 30% of our uh, patients. And uh, docetaxel uh, is proven inferior to Pembro and really all the other uh, PD one and PDL one inhibitors in this uh, in the second line setting. Uh, for Pembro, that's specifically in those with uh, PDL one expression, 1% or higher. Chemo can mediate the uh, immunologic effects. Uh, and combining chemo with uh, anti-PD-1 immunotherapy can uh, uh, yield synergistic uh, anti-tumor effects. And this is really the rationale for uh, proceeding with such a trial. Uh, Keynote 021 was a much larger study looking at uh, uh, various uh, uh, combinations of pembrolizumab with chemo doublets as well as uh, target uh, uh, agents uh, and uh, ipilimumab as uh, well. So this was a, a single cohort of that trial, a randomized phase two, uh, that looked at PEMCARBO alone uh, with or without PEMBRO. Uh, primary analysis uh, was actually presented a year and a half ago at ESMO, uh, which time uh, 
we observed a significant improvement in response rate, nearly doubling from 29% to 55%. The hazard ratio for survival, however, at that point was not terribly impressive. It was 0.9, with a p-value of 0.39. Uh, last year at ASCO, uh, Valley Papa Dimitrikopoulou from uh, MD Anderson on uh, a poster discussion showed uh, a more updated analysis at 14 and a half months, which confirmed the previous identified improvement in both response rate and PFS. And note that that hazard ratio for survival had improved from 0.9 to 0.69 with a p-value of 0.13. And toxicity uh, was manageable uh, and uh, clearly uh, safe uh, in all of these analyses. And it was based on uh, these data that PEMBRO plus the PEM-CARBO combination actually received a conditional accelerated approval from the FDA. And I have to confess, personally, I had abject ambivalence. It was... Randomized phase two data was only 120 patients. We did not have survival. We had not yet seen the phase three uh, study, and uh, uh, the phase three results had not yet been reported. So it was a, a bold um, uh, move, and uh, certainly many of my colleagues, uh, um, to be blunt, casted aspersions on, uh, on that uh, decision. So this presentation, really these are the most up-to-date data, uh, look at uh, five additional months of follow-up, so median follow-up now of a year and a half, much more mature data. So the rationale uh, and the schema are shown here, uh, pretty standard uh, of uh, um, PEM-CARBO. Note that the uh, PEMETREXA uh, uh, dose is standard at 500 per meter squared, with CARBO actually attenuated AUC of 5, uh, plus or minus uh, pembrolizumab given at a flat dose of 200 milligrams every three weeks for two years. Uh, eligibility, non-squamous, non-small cell. Again, if you do the math, that's a roughly 60-70% of our advanced disease population. No activating EGFR mutation or ALK translocation. Uh, it was independent of pdl one status, though uh, participants needed to provide tissue for uh, that sort of analysis. They had to have good performance status in virtually all of these trials, and non-small cell had been done in good PS patients. Brain mets were allowed as long as they had been treated. And, of course, the usual caveats regarding immunotherapy, no antecedent interstitial lung disease or pneumonitis uh, or any other autoimmune condition requiring uh, steroids. Uh, Primary endpoint was response rate, uh, key secondary endpoint PFS, and actually survival was an additional endpoint, but not primary. Uh, Pemetrexid was uh, continued uh, ad infinitum, uh, permitted as maintenance therapy in the absence of uh, disease progression or uh, intolerability, and that's based on prior uh, randomized trials, including the Paramount trial, that showed that this yielded a survival benefit. And the control arm uh, could cross over to single-agent PEMBRO at the time of progression. This was actually built into the study, and hence uh, uh, OS was not a primary endpoint. So here's the uh, concert diagram, the disposition, 219 patients screened, 123 randomly allocated. You can see that... Uh, uh, this was a one-to-one -one distribution. Uh, note that in the PEMBRO arm uh, uh, maintenance, uh, Pemetrexid uh, commenced in 85% of patients in the control arm and about 68%. Uh, if we look at uh, those are ongoing, this is as of uh, last summer, uh, nearly a quarter of those in the experimental arm were still on treatment on the original trial, 14% on the uh, 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 control arm. Uh, of note, in the control arm, 25 out of the 63 crossed over to Pembro onset, and an additional 15 
receive PDL1 or PD1 inhibitors outside of the crossover. So if you do the math, that's three quarters of patients who uh, uh, were eligible for crossover actually received uh, immunotherapy on that arm. And you can see the main reasons why treatment was discontinued in that arm. Uh, this is the array of agents that were given outside the crossover and predominantly Nevo, but also Pembro, Atezo, Derva, and unspecified anti-PD-1. If you look at the uh, experimental or investigational arm, and the, uh, 27% received subsequent anti-PD-1 or PDL one therapy. And again, you can see the uh, options that were given. So the data cutoff is last summer. Uh, medium follow-up now is a year and a half. This is the uh, baseline uh, demographics. And you can, as with all of these studies, it's imperative that you see balance, and in fact we do. Intriguingly, the majority of patients in both arms were female, which is unusual for uh, lung cancer trials. By definition, uh, they had adenocarcinoma predominantly. Uh, most uh, are former smokers. That is uh, true of most lung cancer trials. They're not current smokers. And you can see an even distribution of uh, pdl one status, whether it was 0, 1 to 49%, or 50%, or higher, about a third each. Response rate significantly improved. Uh, this is an update, so we've gone from uh, 28 to 32% in the control arm, and have inched up in the uh, Pembro arm as well with p-value 0.0029. Uh, compared to the initial analysis, there were three additional responses observed, one in the Pembro arm, two in the control, and one CR uh, in each arm. Uh, so very little difference from the original um, analysis, and a similar pattern of response uh, across uh, PDL1 distribution. Note that 50% of the Pembro arm responses remain ongoing as of last summer, 40% in the control arm. PFS, uh, more mature data. Um, for the Pembro arm, it is 19 months. When I started out in the 80s, median survival, not PFS, was maybe six to eight months, so we were clearly making some headway in this disease. The control arm doing as well or better uh, than it has done historically with a median PFS of 8.9 months, has a ratio of 0.54 with a p-value of 0.0067. So uh, these data have stood the test of time uh, with that PFS benefit persisting if not expanding. The original survival shown here, uh, has a ratio of 0.9. You can see very little separation in the curves. This is the update as of the um, presentation last summer by Valley Papa Dimitrikopoulou. You note that the hazard ratio has dropped to 0.69. You're starting to see some separation beyond 12 to 15 months. P-value is still not significant. And this is the current analysis. And we actually have a median for the control arm of uh, nearly 21 months, again, far exceeding historic uh, observations. Median not reached in the Pembro arm, uh, clearly uh, looks to exceed two years or more. Um, hazard ratios drop further to 0.59, and the p-value looks significant, 0.03, but it is not. This is a one-sided analysis. Um, the threshold has to be 0.025 or less, so clearly trending, but not quite there. Again, it's a randomized phase two trial. If we look at exposure, um, median exposure is actually double in the Pembro arm uh, for duration of therapy over 10 months compared to 4.9 months. And um, we look at uh, um, uh, toxicity, somewhat higher, but not egregiously so, 41% grade 3 or higher toxicity for Pembro compared to 29% for chemo alone. No major differences in uh, discontinuation rates due to AEs or um, uh, death rates. And these are the treatment-related AEs with, uh, of any grade, so 
10% or higher um, with the incidence range of 15% or higher. And by and large, somewhat more toxicity in the Pembro arm, although the vast majority of this is grade one or two. So you see a bit more fatigue, uh, some GI toxicity. Uh, intriguingly and paradoxically, with no explanation, we seem to uh, observe less anemia in the uh, Pembro arm. That may just be a fluke. Um, some anorexia, some LFT elevations, um, uh, uh, and some uh, slight increase in uh, neutropenia. So no additional fatal AEs, one additional AE leading to discontinuation in each group, and really no grade 5 AEs uh, due to immune etiology. Uh, so the summary shown here, uh, hazard ratio for OS continues to improve over time. And this analysis 0.59 with the total uh, median uh, follow-up of over a year and a half. Uh, hazard ratio was originally 0.9 in the primary analysis. So this incremental survival benefit, though it is not statistically significant, continues despite a high crossover rate, over 75%, to PD-1 or PDL one therapy in the control arm. And we observe as well significant improvements in response in PFS that were already seen in the primary analysis. Uh, manageable safety profile, this has become my go-to regimen uh, in non-squamous uh, patients without uh, uh, genetic aberrations, and uh, clearly an effective and tolerable treatment option. A standard, not necessarily the standard, but certainly a standard of care that's been FDA approved. Um, I think most of you are aware of the follow-up phase three. This is 189. Basically the same study design, PEM-CARBO plus or minus PEMBRO with crossover in the control arm, originally uh, statistically uh, geared for PFS, later for both PFS and OS. Uh, a two-to-one randomization, so one uh, major difference as opposed to the original randomized phase two. Same eligibility criteria, no pre-existing EGFR, ALK, good performance status, uh, no contraindications to uh, uh, checkpoint inhibitors with stratifications uh, based really on smoking status, uh, which platinum was used, carbo or cis, and pdl one status. So study completed accrual exactly a year ago, and all we know is, uh, Dr. Baines has said, is a significant PFS and OS improvement uh, as of three weeks ago. So uh, stay tuned. Going to be presented to a meeting soon. I, I don't know if you can divulge where that is. Not yet. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> but soon. Um, so one of the dilemmas that comes up, what, how do I deal with somebody with more than 50% expression? Do they get Pembro alone or the triplet? So uh, you can make arguments both ways. Uh, uh, we've no head-to-head -head comparison of Pembro versus the triplet. Uh, so that's certainly a rationale for just going with the single agent. Keynote 021G was relatively small. Randomized phase two. Even now, no significant survival advantage, so can be justified. The phase three results from the confirmatory 189 are not yet known uh, overall and specifically in this cohort. Clearly less toxicity for a single agent and less expense. Remember, Pemetrexid is still on patent. We're talking about a very expensive regimen in aggregate. And it certainly does not preclude the option of going to Pemcarbo with or without Bevacizumab at the time of progression in that uh, population. On the other hand, um, you can make a cogent argument for the triplet. We have a high response rate, 80%, uh, which I didn't show you, but it was part of the initial presentation as the uh, Lancet Oncology paper. The 20 patients had more than 50% expression. It was 80% compared to 45% in uh, uh, 0.24. And the primary progression rate, these are the folks who at their first scan have disease progression, was only 3%. 
I don't typically see that in lung cancer. You go back to studies in the 80s, 90s, even the early aughts, it was 10, 20, 30, 40%. Um, so we're avoiding the turmoil of progression. PFS exceeds a year, and the 17-month update is now up to 19 months. It's going to be updated further. We'll see whether that changes. And OS is clearly trending. It may not be significant, but 0.03 is a pretty impressive uh, p-value, and the hazard ratio is 0.59, again, in the context of a randomized phase two trial. And of course, now we know 189 is positive, so presumably, uh, statistically, it's met that criteria. What about other histologies? Well, here's the companion trial in squamous. Uh, basically, similar design, but using a different platform regimen. Uh, taxane, could be NABPAC or uh, paclitaxel uh, with carboplatin, plus or minus Pembro. Note that the crossover is uh, offered in the uh, control arm. And uh, I believe this trial is finished accrual, uh, and hopefully will be reported next six to 12 months, we'll see. Um, I don't have any inside data or uh, knowledge about that, but you are going to witness a tsunami, literally, of studies of this sort um, uh, uh, reaching maturity in the next uh, uh, one to two years. And it's uh, going to generate a lot of excitement, but also quite a lot of confusion. So um, I will end here. Uh, I think we have plenty of time for additional questions. As I said, I'll be happy to answer anything in uh, inside the chest, not outside it. Thank you. Wow, you guys know everything there is to know about lung cancer. There's somebody in the back, yes. So um, Pembro plus Avastin plus chemo. Is there such a study? I don't, um, there's a phase two. O two one actually, um, one of the cohorts, I think it was cohort B, was PAC, Carbo, Bev, and Pembro. It's only about 25 patients. Response rate, as it's been with all of these combinations, was fairly impressive. I think in the 50 to 60% range, again, independent of pdl one status. Um, PFS and OS in that small cohort was good. Uh, that'll probably be, I know it's being written up and it'll probably be published soon. I'm, uh, we have, uh, is there a phase three trial that's actually testing? I don't think so. But of course we do have the Empower 150 trial, which did use Pat Carbo Bev as a platform, plus or minus a Tezo. And uh, that was presented at uh, uh, ESMO and um, has shown a uh, significant PFS advantage it looks like survival may also be positive, but it's not mature enough uh, so far. But uh, we're seeing about a five-month difference in overall uh, survival from 14 months and change to about 19 months. Um, I think a big question comes up when we're talking about BEV, which is still on patent, PEMBRO, which obviously is on patent, PEM, which is on patent. I, don't, I, I clearly doubt whether uh, our system can afford that. Yes? Dr. Langer, thank you for an excellent talk. Um, some experts would uh, believe that an IO-IO combination <laughs> is preferred versus an IO-chemo. I assume you're in the, the latter bucket. But how would you approach um, selecting a, a, this, uh, the, the, the therapy for a patient 
as the director of um, thoracic oncology at the University of Pennsylvania, and how, if you were in a community setting, select the, uh, your therapy? I think you've highlighted one of the big debates that is uh, ongoing and has certainly gotten even more um, pointed, I wouldn't say rancorous, but maybe rancorous, uh, uh, particularly with the 227 results. Of course, we haven't seen those either, but uh, PFS advantage for Ipinevo in high tumor mutation burden. Remember, that's probably less than 50% of patients uh, compared to standard chemo. So I think, as you can probably guess from my talk, I'm still in the chemo camp. Uh, chemo is a uh, standard platform. It seems to combine quite well with uh, immunotherapy, uh, particularly with PD-1, PD-L1 inhibitors. The data we're seeing here are really, compared to our hist historic controls, is outstanding. Um, Ipinevo is a tough combination. I'm sort of grateful I don't treat melanoma. I don't have to deal with Ipi, uh, typically. Uh, the two uh, checkpoint inhibitors, uh, Ipi is far more toxic than uh, Pembro or Nevo or Tezo. Uh, we do use the combination a lot in small cell. It does have NCCN uh, approval, and we've been getting it reimbursed. That's really the, the main issue. Um, and I think it remains to be seen um, how that's going to stack up versus a chemo checkpoint inhibitor combination. I'm sure there are studies of that sort ongoing. I can't uh, cite them offhand. Uh, but for now, at least until I see the actual data, and particularly see survival data, which we have for chemo Pembro, which we do not yet have for Ipinevo, uh, I'm still going to be in the chemo uh, IO camp. I think IO IO combinations are of particular uh, import in the second line setting. Uh, it may not be the IOs you're thinking of, but it might be some other IO. There's uh, at least 50 separate agents that are being looked at in combination with PD-1 and PD-L1, uh, some of which have already been reported out. Uh, so epicatastatin IDO inhibitor, for instance, been looked at in phase one and phase two, and there are a number of ongoing phase three studies now, the ECHO trials that are looking at uh, uh, single agent PD-1 plus or minus uh, epicatastatin. You're going to see similar uh, trials uh, completing uh, accrual and probably being reported out in the next year or two, but probably predominantly in the second-line setting. Uh, it's open for discussion in the front-line setting. Certainly Pembro, single agent, 50% or higher is a, a target. Uh, so the same sort of studies can be conducted there, and there are ongoing trials that are looking at non-cytotoxic. One example is uh, Pembro plus or minus ramucirumab in 50% or higher. I believe that study is ongoing. I don't know how well it's accruing. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, again, you're only talking about 30% of our overall population that has uh, high levels of PDL1. I think another big question is how is TMB going to factor into all of this? Will it supplement PDL1 testing? Will it supplant it? The jury's out. But I think clearly it looks like it's going to be a player in how we uh, sort out our patients. Um, and then the corollary question is if we see a benefit for chemo and Pembro across the board, regardless of PDL1 status, do you need to do PDL1? I think we still do, both intellectually and practically. And remember, when we're testing for PDL1, it's not that alone. We're also looking for the genetic markers. We're sending that tissue off simultaneously for many different tests. So it would be impractical to separate all that. They're still they're doing it more and more, thank God. Uh, many of us, uh, frankly, because of the um, 024 study, the study that showed a benefit for Pembro versus chemo, 
uh, we finally uh, enacted reflex testing at our own institution where I didn't have to order it. The pathologist would automatically do these tests, much as they've done for HER2 or ERPR for the last 30 years. I mean, that did not occur with lung cancer. And so there were delays. The, the tissue would be biopsied. We'd see the, these patients as oncologists. And nothing was done yet. We'd have to put an order and then set the clock back another two to four weeks. These patients are sick. They can't wait two to four weeks to start treatment. So it's imperative that the testing be done quickly and efficiently. Thank you. Thanks. The annual Immuno Oncology 360 Conference bridges clinical, scientific, and business developments in I.O. to provide a genuine 360-degree perspective so as a community, we can drive faster advancements to eradicate cancer. For more information about the event, visit www.io360summit.com. Thanks for listening. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.